You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, kind of, I guess, as promised, um, we are. I am just going to leave the interview where it is. If you have any additional thoughts or questions about the interview he did or Matt LaFleur did or has done, he's done, I think, a couple now, feel free to shoot it over. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a very rare thing and stay on track, at least so far, because... Um, as much as there's a lot of time to fill in the off season, I haven't really made a lot of progress in terms of... Ex- I've spent so much time talking about our backup quarterback in this draft class, which is fine, I guess. Talking theory and whatnot. We haven't really... Well, <laughs> we haven't even begun to look outside of the Green Bay Packers, which is something that I really want to do, including the NFC North, as well as some other teams, and I've got some ideas for that. Um, so we're moving on, is what I'm saying. But we're doing it very gradually, and and today we're doing what pretty much everybody else did day one. But that's fine. That's their loss, because they didn't get a chance to really look at it. We're going to look at the undrafted free agents, but not just that. I want to look at it, as I said, through a little bit of a different context, because I do have a unique perspective. I know most of you already know this, but I'll repeat myself. One of the things that I do, because I am a huge NFL draft fan, is I started tracking all of the big boards. That is just ranking all the prospects, right? CBS has one, Draft Tech has one, Walter Football has one, etc., etc. And what I used to do is I would do mock drafts. I actually had a YouTube channel where I would do mock drafts, and then people would get mad at me, like, why in the world would you have this guy so high? And I'm like, dude, have you seen this board? He's like the third best player. And it turns out that's the only board that had that, and everyone else is like, this guy's a bum. Sure enough, that website was just wrong, and I look like a dummy. So I thought there's got to be a way to kind of average these all out to see. So I figured out a way. It took me a very long time, but I got it. Got the formula down. Bing, bang, boom. The cool thing is now I can look at our entire draft class with undrafted free agents and get somewhat of a unique perspective. For example, where did these guys rank nationally? Now, that maybe doesn't sound quite that interesting, but it does give us a couple different perspectives. Number one, how good of a value was it really? Number two, what order were these guys actually in? Which is something I never even thought of. I just assumed that everybody was basically in the same order. In other words, um, Jordan Love was the highest ranked, and then A.J. Dillon, and then DeGuara, and then Martin, and then da-da-da-da-da. Nope, that's not the order at all. And it should also give us a different perspective, just from the standpoint of, you know, maybe the Packers are right, and the guys that they drafted earlier are better and have a better shot of making the team. But it also could give us some perspective in terms of maybe keep an eye on this guy for um, possibly being a breakout player. Now, granted, there are several times when there are people that just fall and the national media is just wrong, but it's still a unique perspective. And the other interesting thing is the undrafted free agents also fit into that puzzle. In other words, it's not like all the guys we drafted are the most valuable from the standpoint of the national media, and then there's the undrafted free agents. No, no, some of these guys were ranked higher than some of the guys we drafted. So it'll be interesting to look at that. Also, I can see who graded who the highest and the lowest. 
who was the highest on Jordan Love, who was the highest on A.J. Dillon, etc., etc. So that's kind of the perspective I am going to be coming from today. And then again, tomorrow um, we got an interview, and the day after that we've got an interview from two of these people who did have guys the highest. I reached out to several, got back a couple, which is fine, because by the time the second one was done, it was I, the third one kind of didn't work out because he didn't have Skype, and I just was like, all right, then I guess we're not doing this. But I was very glad. I don't like doing interviews, man. I do it because I know you guys want it. And it's like, ah, let's give the people what they want. Let's do some interviews. And then I do it, and it's like, man, I hate this so much. I really do. It's not it's not my thing. I'm not, I don't know. But, you know, you're welcome. I'll throw you a bone once in a while. You get your interviews. So, anyways, again, make sure you've got your notifications for this podcast on. Very simple if you got Google. Which, by the way, I feel like I used to be able to say that word without tripping over my tongue. And in the last, like, two years, suddenly it's like, why is this word such a dumb word that's impossible to say normally? Google. Google. It's, I don't like it. By the way, did you know a Google is actually a thing and these dummies didn't even know how to spell it correctly? These brilliant bajillionaires spelled Google wrong. Way to go. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, if you got Google Podcasts, just click where it says subscribe to the Packernet Podcast, and a little thing will pop up saying, would you like to be notified when there's a new episode? And you just turn that thing on say, heck yeah, I do, dude. Why would you ask me such a ridiculous question? Why don't you get out of my face, Google? Learn to spell. Just make sure you, you actually turn it on during that lecture, because I know sometimes we, sometimes we get a little carried away yelling at our phones and forget why we were there to begin with. Same is true with iTunes. That's a little bit more involved. Uh, if you're an iPhone user, but I do have a link in the Facebook group if you're curious on how to do that. Spotify, I don't think there's a way. So um, I just require that you refresh every five minutes until you see an episode. Otherwise, a five-star iTunes review would be greatly appreciated. There are other ways to support the show. You can find those in the comments of this podcast. I think that's, I think that's it. Let's take a break and talk about some stuff. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. All right, so let's just start just in order. I know you know who we drafted, but we'll do this down the line. Unfortunately, I can't do it as in-depth as I wanted to because, you know, I'm a dummy and forgot to send myself something again. But whatever, we'll, we'll do the best we can here. If you want some more information on it, um, I don't know, ask me and I'll let you know. Um, but Jordan Love was the highest-ranked player overall. Um, on the big boards, he was ranked 33rd overall, but there were a lot of websites that did have him higher. Again, I wish I had that list in front of me, but I did interview one of those people who's in charge of one of those boards, which is the Great Blue North, as I believe I mentioned, had him ranked 17th, but he wasn't the only one. I think there were two sites that had him ranked 17th overall, two that had him 19th overall, and then several that were about 20 or 21. So, there were probably, out of maybe 20 boards, five or six that had Jordan Love ranked higher than where we drafted him. And it's not that hard to figure out why. The upside of Jordan, it's really just a question of, do you downgrade, how much do you downgrade Jordan Love because of the interceptions, and how much of a premium do you give him because of his upside? 
a lot of people, it seems like, just kind of av- averaged that out and said, I don't know, 30-ish. Pro Football Focus, by the way, was the lowest, had him 76th overall. Um, but I, you know, I think Pro Football Focus is very different than a lot of these other places. First of all, there's zero groupthink there, and they, you can tell by how very different some of their rankings are. But also, I think they stick very strongly, not entirely, but pretty strongly to their grading system. And obviously, again, Jordan Love didn't have the greatest year of his life, so they put him much lower. So I don't know that PFF is very good as far as their the accuracy of their boards, and that's something else I want to start doing a little bit more, is trying to go back and grade how good these boards are. Um, but anyway, so Jordan Love was less problematic. Most people made that seem like that was a terrible pick, but a lot of people thought it was a decent value, and nobody really had him, I mean, again, outside of PFF, putting a third-round grade on him. Pretty much everybody had him early or, you know, early second, late first, which is pretty close to where he went. I think it's more or less that the Packers got him more than anything. Um, A.J. Dillon, and again, this this isn't exactly right because I forgot to send myself the updated thing, but it's funny because I, I saw a article that said Mel Kuyper had the Packers as having the worst draft of any team. He kind of jumped on that bandwagon, and granted, he didn't really like most of the picks after Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, but he actually had the highest rank, I think, on A.J. Dillon. I think he had him somewhere in the 50s. Um, I've got 65 here for the huddle report, but I I somehow missed Mel Kuyper. Um, Bottom line is Mel Kuyper actually said he was maybe the only one that that said A.J. Dillon was a good value where we got him. So as far as Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, he can sit here and cry about the Packers had a terrible draft all he wants. But he was one of the highest on Jordan Love and A.J. A. Dillon. He was the highest on A.J. Dillon. Now, overall, A.J. Dillon was ranked 108th, meaning, from again, from a national perspective, everybody really, really hated it. The lowest, actually, was Joe Marino over at the Draft Network, had him ranked 206th. Now, again, the interesting thing about that, if you look at Joe Marino's board, he had a lot of our draft picks higher than A.J. Dillon. Right again. That's the interesting thing. Depending on who you look at, as much as we want to look at our best is going to be Love, and then it's going to be Dylan, and then it's going to be Deguara. And it's I would probably lean that way because I trust the Packers more than anybody else. But when you see how much variability there is in all these different boards, it kind of just I guess for me, even though I know better, it gives me a little bit of hope that some of these guys are going to actually be better. When you look at how early or how highly ranked some of these guys were, for example, Josiah Deguara. Um, the only person that had him ranked as a good value, again, he was ranked, uh, way lower than where the Packers took him, 177th, but Mark Jarvis had him 75th overall, which makes him a decent enough value, right? We took him 94th overall. So again, it's, it's all just kind of interesting perspective. Whereas a lot of people look at Josiah DeGuara and say, eh, he, he's not worth a third round pick. You get guys like Mark Jarvis that are like, yeah, he is. I mean, he had a third round grade on him basically, right? He's 75th is early third. We got him late third. Now, one of the only ones that nobody can get behind, including myself, as much as I've tried to find a perspective um, on, you know, putting a positive spin on things, would be Kamal Martin. Here's the interesting thing, though. He's not next on our list. (laughs) Kamal Martin is eighth on our list in terms of sticking to our big board. The next highest ranked prospect, and this is where it gets interesting, is Jonathan Garvin, our second seventh-round pick, edge rusher out of Miami. Now, this again, this happens frequently. The Packers have done this before. There was, um, I'm going to blank on who it was. Let me look it up because I want to get the name. 
Malachi Dupree. He was our second seventh-round pick in 2017. A lot of people thought he was maybe a third or fourth-round guy. LSU wide receiver. So again, the the thought process is, I can't believe he fell. I remember when we drafted him thinking, what? I just assumed he was gone, which is why I started the process of crossing guys off as we go along to see what crazy value is out there. Now, typically what that means is when you have a guy that falls that far, you have 32 teams that are much smarter than the national media. And and the reason most people in the media probably were higher on um, guys like Dupree is, is probably due to groupthink. It could be the other way also where these teams just have information that everybody else doesn't. But it does seem very unlikely that everybody in the NFL doesn't like a guy and everybody in the media does like a guy. So there's probably some buzz that everybody bought into that teams just didn't. But again, it is still very interesting. The fourth highest graded guy of as far as you know national media rankings is Jonathan Garvin. In fact, Joe Marino, who was very low on A.J. Dillon, had Jonathan Garvin in his top 100. He had him ranked 94th. Joe Marino had him ranked higher than anybody, well, except Mark Jarvis, I forgot, had Josiah DeGuara. Now, his lowest rank, Jonathan Garvin, that is, was 334th. So it's certainly not a guarantee. But again, even with somebody grading him 334th, he's 197th overall is his overall rank. Now, that's simultaneously nice and depressing when you think about the fact that, first of all, we have, as far as overall averages, we have one player graded in the top 100. A.J. Dillon, 108. Josiah DeGuara, 177. Jonathan Garvin, 197. So we have <laughs> we have three players and our seventh-round pick that are graded inside the top 200. So we really got to hope that the media just got, was way off on this because, I mean, it's just, there, there's no question why everybody said the Packers had the worst draft. The media hated, hated all of these players. But again, not everybody. Joe Marino loved Jonathan Garvin. I know Jarvis loved Garvin. A lot of people really like Jonathan Garvin. But I think, it, again, he is that guy. There's always, every year, there's these guys that you hear as third-round, fourth-round prospects that get picked up in the seventh round. Some of them go undrafted entirely. There was, There's the defensive tackle, whose name I'm forgetting, that everybody told me was a third-round pick, that I said I didn't get it. I thought he was not good at all. Went undrafted, now he's with his second or third team already. Anyways, next up on our list is not Kamal Martin. It's not John Runyon. It's Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen was our second uh, sixth round pick, our second offensive lineman taken in the sixth round. Now, he isn't liked. Again, at this point, nobody likes any of our other prospects. He was ranked 237th overall, but he did rank 108th on one board. Now, 108th is roughly, a, what, a fourth round pick? It's not terrible. I haven't spent a lot of time talking about a lot of these guys, so to back up slightly, Jonathan Garvin, I think the biggest thing with him, he kind of fits the Packers mold insofar as being sort of a big guy but he doesn't have a lot of athleticism. Now, that doesn't necessarily fit the mold necessarily, but you can see how the Packers are getting away from the smaller, quicker guys and going with the bigger, stockier, more violent, A.J. Epinesa-esque type guy. You know, Preston Smith is not known for his athleticism. I don't know if Zadarius necessarily is. Rashawn is, but Rashawn is the prototype the Packers like that also happens to be an athletic freak. So, Jonathan Garvin is that guy, but he just doesn't have the additional athleticism. So he doesn't really have the ceiling that a lot of other guys have, but he could be a rotational guy, possibly, whatever. Especially when you're the Packers and you've already got all the guys you could need. If you've got him to plug in on a need needed basis during injury or, or again, situationally, 
maybe he ends up being a good run defender. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's it's worth a look, I guess. And again, it's it's a good situation for the Packers because they don't have a dire need at, off the edge. Uh, Jake Hansen out of Oregon. I guess all three of them the biggest thing, which is a little bit strange because my thought was the offensive linemen we need are more athletic because you need to be able to get up to the second level. You look at what the Vikings drafted last year in their offensive center, a guy who is extremely athletic, who's able to get up to that next level and, and et cetera, et cetera, because it's an outside zone scheme. Essentially, LaFleur said, yeah, that's cool and all, but um, I'm not as worried about mobility. I want guys that are going to be maulers. And granted, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be starters or expected to be starters. And so, obviously, it's very similar to what I just said about Rashawn Gary. I think I, when you look at what is the core, the core is he wants big and violent, and it, and it matches everything. Right? Look at what we're doing as far as defense. Look at what we're doing as far as offense. We're getting bigger, meaner, more violent. I talked about that a month or two ago. That's the direction we're going, and I'm not upset about it. And so I, I think, in general, what Lafleur would want is a big, mean, violent guy that's going to be a road grader to help this run game that also happens to be athletic. But we're in the sixth round now. And so we're bringing in the attitude, we're bringing in the demeanor of Jake Hansen, John Runyon, Simon Stepniak, right? That's especially Runyon and Stepniak are known for being extremely violent. I don't think any of them are really known for athleticism, which again is very similar in my opinion to Jonathan Garve. I think they're going to bring something. So if they, they get plugged in, they're going to be able to at least contribute in some kind of a way, although they'll probably struggle in others. But, you know, we're at least getting that core piece that we're looking for. But I, I you know, Looking forward, I do still think there are probably better prospects out there that we're going to be looking to build along the offensive line. But we should have, at the very least, some real solid... You know, again, the Packers have had, over the years, when they've been really at their best, not only a good offensive line, but a great stable of of backups. Because offensive linemen get hurt all the time. That's every team, that's everybody. And so the ability for the Packers to really not even miss a beat, because we had guys like Lane Taylor and J.C. Treader and and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to to step in that are essentially starters. Lane Taylor is a star, he's a you know mediocre starter, and J.C. Treader is decent as far as starters go. But as backups, these guys are elite backups. But anyway, so Jake Hansen. So in order right now, Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah Deguara, Jonathan Garvin, and then Jake Hansen. That's the order so far by the national media. And again, it's not so much that they really liked these guys. It's the fact that they really disliked the guys that we took before them. Now, this is where it gets really, really interesting because it's not the next guy on our list is not even a drafted player. It's one of our undrafted free agents. And that kind of gets me excited. And it got me excited about this guy until I really looked more into it. First of all, he's ranked 243rd. So it's not as though he's loved. Um, he was ranked the highest by ESPN, ranked him 130th, and then also he's got a pretty massive flaw that generally doesn't translate very well. But the guy I'm talking about, that is maybe, I guess, somebody we should keep an eye on because he is ranked higher than pretty much, I mean, he is our, let's see, sixth highest ranked player <laughs> that we've acquired. His name is Mr. Stanford Samuels III, cornerback out of Florida State. Now, the Draft Network had him the lowest at 320th, and I tend to, if, if I had to give him a grade, I don't think I'd be ESPN. I'd be a little bit lower. The biggest reason is he ran the slowest 40 time of any corner in the entire combine. That generally is a really bad sign. One of my favorite corners coming out of college since I started you know, watching the draft was uh, 
guy by the name of Jalen Tabor, a.k.a. Tease Tabor, really, really, really liked him. But he ran an abysmally slow 40 time. He's been a terrible cornerback for the Detroit Lions. I don't even know if he's still with the Lions. But that was my guy until I saw that 40 time, and then I kind of slowly backed away from it, like, fine, maybe he's not the third best corner or whatever. That was the year Marlon Humphrey and... uh, Anyways, so when I see Stanford, and I, and I watched one game of his, I try to get little bits to see, like, oh man, maybe somebody's going to like flash and get me all excited. He did not. He looks, I mean, he's big, right? Again, he fits the prototype. That's The Packers are really sticking to their core. This guy's very big, very long. He's kind of a Kevin King looking guy. So he's going to be big and he's going to be physical. You know, they're, they're sticking to identity. They're really trying to build out this identity. Our, our defensive line is big and strong. Our linebackers have become big. I mean, Kamal Martin doesn't fit the typical mold that the Packers have been doing in the past. He's kind of a big and violent guy. Our offensive line is getting bigger and stronger and more violent. Our running backs are big and strong and violent. Our corners are big and strong. And I mean, again, I maybe it's just a coincidence, but I've been seeing this for a while. I've been talking about this since over a year ago, when I said, you know, Rashawn Gary might be a possibility after we got Zedarius and Preston. I was like, he might be a possibility for the Packers because he fits the mold that Petten seems to like. Sure enough, we've been going in this direction for over a year now. But anyways, again, somebody to keep an eye on, and especially when you talk about undrafted free agents being contributors. It's not uncommon. I've talked about that. I've showed you the numbers, how basically after the second round, the most likely to contribute is an undrafted free agent. Throughout the entire NFL, I'm not just talking about the Packers. I'm talking about the NFL. If you look at great players, most of them are first-round picks, then second-round picks, then undrafted free agents. Now, part of that is because there's more of them, right? We have one first-round pick. We got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 undrafted free agents. So it's a numbers game on one hand, but it still is unusual because you would still expect them to be much worse. And plus, when you compare them to sixth and seventh-round pick. It, they're just you you know that none of the sixth and seventh round picks are going to pan out for the most part but you can almost always count on an undrafted free agent having a good season maybe not elite but being a contributor so i think there's more to it than just the numbers but uh, anyway so so he's at the top i i don't think he's going to be the guy but as far as undrafted free agents go especially for the packers undrafted free agent defensive backs the packers are just they just knock those guys out of the park man it's incredible so kind of keep an eye on them i guess after that Seventh on our list is Mr. John Runyon, offensive guard out of Michigan. Again, he was not ranked highly overall, 249th. We picked him 192nd. However, if you look back at GBN, Great Blue North, the same guys that ranked Jordan Love really high, they had him 166th, which would make this a good value for John Runyon. I'm sure most of you know about Runyon already. You've heard a lot about his lineage and his father being uh, a football player, and also that's kind of where he got his edge from. I forget exactly the story, but it was something to the effect of like he tried to help a guy up, something like that, and his dad scolded him for it. And since that day, he just annihilates people, right? Like when they're still on the ground and he's trying to get up, it's like, I'm just going to just block you in the back of your head into the ground. So there you go. Lowest rank, again, TDN. The Draft Network really, really, really didn't like this draft. They had him 379th. I have to assume they didn't have much more than 400 prospects, meaning they had John Runyon basically at the bottom. Then we finally get to Kamal Martin. He was our fourth pick, but the draft community had him eighth on our list of guys, including an undrafted free agent. Now, that doesn't mean he wasn't ranked highly by someone. ESPN had him 157th. 
which as far as highest ranks go, is at least higher than anybody had John Runyon. Now, NFL.com had him 378th, really, really didn't like him, as many people didn't, which is why he's down to 268th. But again, I, I think we... I think we generally understand, and again, the, in the interviews, they'll go a little bit more in depth on what they saw with Kamal Martin, but the, the general idea with Kamal Martin, or the thing that I heard that I think makes the most sense, is that he's really unspectacular in any one area. And that's that's sort of the problem, and, and maybe that's part of the appeal as well, is that he's just kind of mediocre in every aspect, and that's maybe being generous by saying he's me- mediocre. But the other option is, especially when you talk about as late as we got Kamal Martin, when you're looking at linebackers, is you get a guy that's really good in one area, not the other. Oren Burks comes to mind. Oren Burks is a guy with a lot of athleticism that doesn't offer a lot in run defense. Now, I don't think they necessarily believe that very strongly since they traded up in the third round to get him, but that's what he is. That's what Ty Summers is. Very athletic, very fast, but just he's getting knocked around like he's nothing. Kamal Martin isn't that way. I think the biggest concern with him, though, is although he's even keel across the board in terms of coverage, run defense, block shedding, just down the line, the the problem is the line that you draw as far as this is what you need to be an NFL linebacker, he's below that in every category. Now, maybe the Packers just don't agree and they think he's slightly above that in every category, or at least he's, he's able to be trained. He has that much room left to grow, right? Minnesota isn't exactly the greatest program in the world, not that they're, you know... D3 or anything, but maybe they just look at it and say, look, this guy was either used improperly or there's something about him that, again, room to grow. He's got athletic traits. He's got strength. He's got the right size that we can... Now, again, I I generally don't like that because I think teams overestimate their ability to train people. They, they, I hate when teams look at projects because very rarely does, does that actually pan out. They love drafting high ceiling guys. Now, again, I don't know where they see high ceiling in Kamal Martin, but they have to see something because all anybody else sees is a guy that's slightly below average in every category, and that's useless in the NFL. So the only thing I can think is they believe that they can get all those attributes above that line and get a a decent contributor. Anyways, we have two more players that uh, were drafted, but none of those guys are coming up right now because the next highest prospect that we have is another undrafted free agent. And that is Mr. Patrick Taylor running back out of Memphis. Now, I watched Patrick um, to try to get a sense for him, maybe get a little bit excited about him. Usually in the past I've done that, but back in the day I used to get really excited about our undrafted free agent running backs because I was just watching highlights, and it's hard to not get excited about everybody. But I, I just watched a game with Patrick Taylor, and and I, I forget who said it. It might have been Jarvis, but Patrick Taylor, in a sense, kind of reminds you of A.J. Dillon in that he's he's a little bit bigger not as big mass-wise, but, you know, he's taller. And he's got a little bit of pop to him, but not much. But the thing that reminds me of him the most is that he's just kind of an upper, upright runner. So take A.J. Dillon and strip away everything that's awesome about A.J. Dillon that gives you hope, and that's Patrick Taylor. <laughs> I, I hate to put it in those terms, but that's kind of it. Now, I, again, if you're looking for a guy that can kind of be your backup A.J. Dillon, that's going to kind of grind and get you those three yards possibly. Now, and the other thing is, the the game that I watched, his first play, he actually lined up at wide receiver. So you are getting a little bit of versatility. Maybe maybe they see him as more of a Tyler Irvin, a versatile back that you can split out. Um, I didn't really actually see him spend much time out at wide receiver. I'm sure there are other games where you can see how well he performs as a receiver. Maybe that's a big part of why we got him, to be competition with Tyler Irvin. And again, he's big, so you wouldn't expect him to be a wide receiver, but he's not exactly A.J. Dillon big. He's 6'1", 217. 
Now, compared to a lot of running backs, that's pretty big. Compared to A.J. Dillon, that's, he's puny. But I wouldn't mind a guy that, that's that big getting lined up in the slot or whatever if he can handle that assignment. But either way, again, I just, you know, he didn't really get me as excited as I had hoped. After that, the next highest-ranked player is another undrafted free agent, and that's Mr. Tipigalea. Not sure exactly how to say his name. I did get very, very, very familiar with his name, though, so I thought it was funny when we actually drafted him, or undrafted him, free agented him. When we free agented him, because one of the things in order for my big board thing to work is everybody's name has to be spelled the same or it doesn't work. And he's got a little apostrophe in his name, and every time I have that, I just remove it. Because some sites, they don't put those in, and it's not going to be easy to remember. Like, hey, this guy needs that. I'm not going to remember it, and then it's just not going to show up. So anytime I see it, I just delete it. And I had to delete that hundreds of times. So I got very familiar with uh, Tipicalea, if that's how you say the name. I don't know. But his rank on the big board is 318th, which means we are out of the 200s entirely. Entirely. Getting a little trigger happy with my buttons over here. However, ESPN actually had him ranked 200th, which means he is, well, at the very least, a draftable player. Now, I had him down as a linebacker. I think most people had him as an edge rusher, which is primarily where he did play. It will be interesting to see what exactly the Packers' plan for him is. Um, Typical Leia is six foot one. Sorry, what am I talking about? Six foot five, 235 pounds. So very, very small as far as edge rushers, especially when you consider, I mean, if you look at the Titans, I don't think that that would be outside of the realm of what they would be willing to do. They've got very tall, long, small edge rush guys. Some teams don't really mind doing that. Granted, very few of them actually produce anything. That's one of those things where the NFL is going in a direction, and that direction happens to be where the Packers are headed with the bigger guys, as much as we all like the long, bendy guys. Um, the, the, the very successful edge rushers tend to be pretty big. But anyways, the, 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 the thing with him is he's a very moldable piece of clay. At six foot five, you can have him pack on just a massive amount of muscle and go that direction, or you take him for what he is. He's very long. His arms are extremely long, which will help with shedding blocks. He's an athletic guy. He's a pretty flexible, bendy kind of pass rusher. Maybe this is just, hey, look, we think he can handle it. It's not typically the direction we go with our players. But 6'5", 235, let's just see if we can make this work. And if we got, if we want him to add on, you know, maybe 10 pounds of muscle at 245 and then just let him still maintain that level of athleticism and, and provide that sort of a Kyler Fackrell dynamic, maybe, you know, get him to be more of a speed rush coverage kind of guy that we lost with Fackrell, it's worth looking at. The other option is, since I had him as a linebacker, which is probably just not, you know, somebody messed it up and I left it that way or whatever, I don't know. But I, I don't think it's impossible to look at that. 6'5", 235, or 6'5", 245 as a linebacker isn't uh, the worst thought in the world. So again, he's a project, and I generally don't like that, but as an undrafted free agent, that's all you're getting. You're looking at upside, and he has plenty of it. He's got a lot of speed, got a lot of length, and again, there's there's plenty to mold with this, this guy. Again, you can bulk him up, which they're going to have to, I think, a little bit, or you just kind of let it ride and see what you get from him. Again, I, I, I would say if he's going to be successful, it's going to be sort of being the Kyler Fackrell of the group. The next highest ranked player is Mr. Simon Stepniak. Obviously not ranked very, very highly. 
However, Mark Jarvis did have him ranked 135th overall, which would make him, again, a pretty good value for the Packers. We're drafting in the 200s now. He had him 135th, and I was actually watching Mark's stream when we were doing this. He did not like the first two picks, but then when he saw the third one, he was like, well, there's some redemption right there. Now, again, most people disagree. We have uh, John Runyon and Jake Hansen much higher ranked nationally. But I asked, um, and you'll hear in the interview, actually both guys that I interviewed liked Stepniak better than the other two. So again, it's it's kind of up in the air. They were ranked as high as 135. Another side had them 166, but as low as 402 by the draft network. So some of these guys just saw absolutely nothing. And I think the other thing too is when you start getting down into the 400s, I think there's a vo- lot of volatility. I think you take the draft network and the guys over there, if, if there is one play that shows a little bit of a flash from Stepniak, he could move up as high as 300, right? I mean, the, the the difference between the 300th ranked and the 400th ranked is, it can't be all that different. But still, um, nationally speaking, Stepniak is by far the least liked. Again, Jake Hansen, 237, John Runyon, 249, Simon Stepniak, 331. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how correct the media is on this. But the only other drafted guy, not one person even had him on their board. Nobody knows anything about Vernon Scott. I asked both of the guys that I interviewed if they knew anything about Vernon Scott. They said they did not, so we didn't even talk about it in the interview. So the last three that had any rank, I shouldn't say that. There's three more that were ranked, and then there's three others that only were ranked by one site, which means they don't have an overall rank, because I require at least two, but at least somebody ranked them, so we'll, we'll do that. But next up, in the UDFAs to keep an eye out for, is Mr. Daryl Stewart, wide receiver out of Michigan State. 358th overall. However, CBS had him ranked 217th. Again, draftable. The other somewhat redeeming thing, or thing that at least gets me somewhat happy, is that he's not six foot seven, 290 pounds. It makes me very happy that the Packers have some ability. Now, granted, he's still pretty big. He's six foot two, 216 pounds. Now, the funny thing is, and I actually looked at this, and I, I don't want to dive into it because it answers a question that I've seen twice now. So I'll, I'll wait to answer that at a different time. But the Packers draft big receivers at a rate that is just unheard of. Nobody else is even close. The fact that a six foot two, 216-pound guy is one of the smaller wide receivers on this team is absurd. Because he could go to other teams and be like one of their biggest. So in a general sense, he is a pretty big receiver. 6'2", 216, but he's not just obscenely big, whose only attribute is that he's big, and that, that makes me happy. Um, the other interesting note is that he's he's a essentially a big slot, at least that's what he was in Michigan. I still think the, the verdict is out on who's going to play in the slot when we actually utilize a slot. My contention is it should be equanimous. I always thought he would be better as a slot anyways. The Packers have been kind of reluctant to put him there. I think that should be his full-time job, but whatever. Um, if they are insistent on leaving Equinemius as a rotational outside boundary guy, um, here's another guy that can come in and compete as a slot player. And again, the Packers tend to like the big slot guys. I don't. I understand it, and I've heard Gutekunst talk about it and wanting guys that are more durable that aren't going to get beat up and injured. You know, Randall Cobb down the stretch had a lot of issues with injuries, and I think it just kind of turned the Packers off. And so they've been looking at big slot type guys since forever. But obviously, you know, again, I was a big K.J. Hamler fan because I just like the short, nimble, quick, get away from everybody type receivers. But whatever. But um, for a big man, he's got great hands. But I don't know that there's a ton else. I mean, I, the best I can think to describe him would be sort of a, a Geronimo. He's not really going to get away from people. 
based on athleticism. I mean, obviously, just like anybody, he could develop some great route running ability, which he doesn't have yet. But um, especially as a slot guy, you would expect that. But you get a bigger kind of guy with great hands that's able to get just a, a glimmer, just a flash of separation as he comes out of his break. And if Rodgers puts it right on him, right away, before that defender catches back up because he's not very fast, he could be that guy that occasionally gets you those six, seven, eight yards, that third down converter. He's another guy that's just going to come in and compete. And honestly, he doesn't have that hard of a time, or he's not going to have that hard of a time making a spot, which sounds weird because you look at it and you go through the list of guys that we have, and it's like, well, he's not going to beat out Kumaro and, and Lazard and all these guys. Of course not. The problem is you look at guys like Lazard and you look at guys like MVS, and as much as everybody loves MVS and, and maybe he's going to have a big, giant year, just because Aaron Rodgers likes him doesn't mean we're not going to move on. We've seen that a thousand times where he says, I really like this guy, I want him to stay. There goes Jordy. I like this guy, I want him to stay. There goes Cobb. I like this guy, I want him to stay. And there goes his tight end. There goes this guy. There goes. It doesn't matter what Rodgers says or who he says he likes. The fact of the matter is the Packers are looking at it from a standpoint of not only who is probably going to be the better receiver this year, but when you got guys like Kumaro that have kind of shown what his ceiling is. We've been trying to develop this guy for how many years? We know what he is. We know he's not going to get any better than what he is, and he's going to start getting much more expensive. We're going to have to pay him more money to stick around now. You're going to roll the dice on a guy like Daryl Stewart and let a guy like Kumaro go, even with Daryl Stewart's not showing you anything. That's the way it goes, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Why would you get rid of Daryl Stewart? Because he's not as good in this year. Of course he's not. But you brought him here to see if you can develop him. And again, you've already developed Kumaro as far as he can go. Not to say you don't like him, but I mean... I think the level of Kumaro can be acquired pretty regularly. We want to see if we can do a little bit better than that. Probably not, but again, we're just we're just taking swings here. And how much money are we willing to pay on a bunch of undrafted free agent guys that are not great contributors but are kind of okay? Not very much. We're not willing to pay for that. We're going to replace that. So he has a he has an opportunity. I wouldn't say it's a great opportunity, but if he can show even anything, I think he he starts off with better odds than guys like Kumaro. I don't mean to pick on him, but he's just the first one that comes to mind as far as guys that everybody likes, Rodgers likes, but he's not good enough to secure a spot on a pretty deep wide receiver group. When you know Devontae's not going anywhere, you know Lazard's not going anywhere, you know Funches isn't going anywhere. We're paying a decent amount of money for a lot of these guys. We're just we're not going to pay for our number four or five guy. Just no thanks. And listen, by the way, I was number one on the Kumaro train. When I found out he played at Whitewater, which is where I went to school for three years before I left, and that he's cousins with the Boses, I was all on board the Kumaro train long before he got good at it. So I'm, I'm, I'm a big Kumaro fan. also think he might be from Illinois. I should check that. But the fact, I think he went from Illinois to Whitewater to the Green Bay Packers. I just felt kind of a kinship there. Yeah, he is. He's from Bartlett, Illinois. That's very close to where I grew up. Very, very close. In fact, I think my sister went to Bartlett High School. I went to Streamwood High School. So, I, you know, I don't want to see him go, but, I mean, it's just that's just the way this stuff works, generally. You know, and, and also you got guys like Begleton and a lot of other guys that the Packers want to see what they can do, and they're going to give them an opportunity. And in order to do that, they have to make space. Anyways, I have to massively pick up the space, uh, the, the, the pace, because it's time for me to go, and I'm about halfway through this. So next on the list, or at least the last two guys, um, Delonte Scott, linebacker out of SMU, and Will Sunderland, cornerback out of Troy. So again, they're not ranked highly, and I can't even necessarily say that they're going to be better than these other guys, but the other guys just weren't even ranked, so, which means nobody saw them, which means some of these guys could be actual gems. But uh, the highest ranked was Delonte Scott, linebacker out of SMU, by uh, Countdown. What is it, Draft Countdown or something like that? That guy's been around a while. I reached out to him. He didn't respond. 
so we're not friends anymore. But their lowest rank, so Countdown had both of these guys the highest. CBS had both of these guys the lowest. CBS had Delonte Scott 415th. CBS had Will Sunderland 567th. The only other three guys that were ranked, uh, Travis Bruffy tackled out of Texas Tech, ranked 342nd. Henry Black, safety out of Baylor, was ranked 358th by NFL.com. And then Chris Barnes, linebacker out of UCLA, 540th out of CBS. The guys that were not ranked, Frankie Griffin, safety out of Texas State. Vernon Scott, safety out of TCU, who he drafted. Mark Antoine DeCoy, cornerback out of Montreal. Willington Pavilion, defensive line Rutgers. Zach Johnson, guard, North Dakota State. Jordan Jones, fullback, Prairie View A&M. Jalen Morton, quarterback, Prairie View A&M. Um, so those are the guys that aren't ranked yet. However, I know I didn't really go in depth on them. That's kind of what we're doing tomorrow and the next day, listening a little bit more on what these guys who scouted them had to say about them, but that's sort of the order. And again, I thought it was interesting that, you know, it's Jordan Love, then AJ Dillon, then Josiah DeGuara, then Jonathan Garvin, then Jake Hansen, then Stanford Samuels, then John Runyon, then Kamal Martin. (laughs) Then you got Patrick Taylor and Tipa Galea before you get Simon Stepniak. So, and again, none of these guys were graded very highly. Again, it's not that necessary. Well, Jonathan Garvin actually was ranked relatively highly, but it's not exactly like Kamal Martin was eighth overall because some of these guys were ranked really, really high. No, it's just that he was ranked so low that he actually dropped below our sixth round picks and an undrafted free agent. But again, it, it doesn't matter. If you look at the highs, Jordan Love's high was 17. Dylan was, again, in the, I think 51 by Kuiper. Josiah DeGuara was ranked as high as 75. Jonathan Garvin was in Joe Marino's top 100. Jake Hansen, 108. Stanford Samuels, our undrafted free agent corner, 130th. John Runyon, 166. I mean, there's some decent enough value here. Patrick Taylor, the undrafted free agent, 197. Typical Leia, 200. So if, if you're cherry picking, there are at least some people out there who are looking at each one of these picks saying eh, it could pan out. But that is the rankings as I had them. And again, tomorrow and the next day, we'll go a little bit more in depth on... Uh, the prospects themselves and the thoughts on those but i gotta get going you folks have yourselves a fantastic day i will talk to you tomorrow have a good one bye-bye